So ERA's grand challenge really was different and unique in a number of ways from the way we would usually do business. But I would say first and foremost, it was different in the way that we staged the funding. So we really started uh, at an earlier stage, searching the world for those um, innovative ideas that uh, could represent game changers in the longer term. And then, and of course, starting with a smaller amount of funding, relatively speaking, half a million dollars to more projects, more ideas. Uh, then, of course, narrowing to the second stage where we provided a relatively larger amount of funds, $3 million to fewer projects where we narrowed uh, to four. And then progressing to the third stage where the goal really was to commercialize a technology and, and push through to deployment. Uh, so that idea of, of pulling early stage ideas right through from nascency to commercialization was unique from the way ERA typically funds uh, in a more targeted way, and, and it was pretty exciting. The Grand Challenge was designed to start at the wide end of the technology development funnel. Generally, a call for proposals will be targeted toward a specific opportunity, we'll have a start date and an end date, and we'll fund a number of projects throughout that process. The Grand Challenge was different from that in that from the beginning it was very much designed to be three distinct and separate rounds. The Grand Challenge was very purpose-built in those stages with fixed amounts of times, you know, to get, you know, to apply for round one, to get to round two, to be eligible for round three. And as you say, there's advantages to that in terms of creating those bite-sized chunks and um, and driving um, different stages of development. That said, you know, in ERA's experience, even with our regular um, funding opportunities or, or challenges, projects that we fund, innovation is risky and, you know, there are often um, uncertainties, risks, things that come up that couldn't be accounted for in terms of project timelines or the way a technology works when you begin to scale. Um, and so I think that did create challenges, having those fixed timelines um, in order to be eligible for the next stage. Um, you know, there were not project extensions, there were not timeline or milestone extensions. That's a challenge that is inherent in the design um, and is is a challenge when you're dealing with innovation, which is risky. Yeah, this might be a bad analogy, but just to add to that, in some ways, we're hoping the grand challenge will be a little bit like American Idol or a little bit like Canadian Idol, where ultimately there's only one winner. Well, two winners in our case, but it would be great if the top five or the top 10 or others that went through our process ultimately have commercial success and make it into the marketplace, even though the timelines were such or their technology development pathway was such that uh, they weren't ultimately the winner of our grand challenge. I think a great example of that is a company like Carbon Upcycling, who were successful in round one, didn't move on to round two, but would say that without that half million dollar grant, their company never would have gotten its start. And, and they're having um, pretty cool success around the world with uh, the technology that um, developed out of that first stage of funding.
one of the differences with the grand challenges, we weren't totally clear what the market pull was. We knew this was an opportunity. And so we threw that funnel wide in a way that we might not otherwise and looked for earlier stage opportunities because it wasn't just about a market pull. It was also about a technology push and really seeing what was out there and what could we pull from the early stage. And as we moved them through the stages of funding, how could we help them then seek out that market pull and those customers? So I think that was unique in the design. But we knew that the market signal would develop if we were able to advance these technologies to the point where they could be put into the field and could be bolted onto industrial operations um, or even greenfield facilities. When we started this, we weren't sure what the industry uptake would be like. We weren't sure how the market would respond. But what we've seen so far is that it's been fantastic. If you look at the two winners of ERA's Grand Challenge, they both have prominent and say strongly engaged industry partners that are helping to bring these technologies to the market and have that impact. One of the theories was that we have a lot of brilliance in Alberta. We have entrepreneurs, innovators, scientists, technology developers, but we don't have a monopoly on good ideas. So we wanted to reach across the globe to find the best ideas that would be well-suited for the province of Alberta. And I think that's one of the great successes of the Grand Challenge is we've got two winners, neither of which started out in Alberta, but both of which are now establishing operations, hiring staff, bringing economic benefits, as well as environmental improvements to the province of Alberta. And by extension, um, both are likely developing technologies and solutions that once at commercial stage will be exported to the world. So, you know, we've brought these companies to Alberta to test, develop, demonstrate, commercialize, and now they will look at opportunities um, for other applications and industries and communities, jurisdictions around the world that can make use of this technology. From a process perspective, one of the things that we tried out in the Grand Challenge, which is different from our normal investment opportunities or funding initiatives, is that we brought in an expert advisory panel of recognized names from both Alberta as well as across Canada and even some cases outside of uh, Canada across the world. Well, I think the, you know, for every ERA funding opportunity, we always bring in experts, subject matter experts to help us make the decision. But in the case of the Grand Challenge, for each round, we really, um, we brought in some pretty um, top-notch uh, uh, and well-known experts um, from from industry, from the technology development world, from the business development world, and and you know from at home in Alberta, but also from Canada and, and around the world. I mean, individuals like Clive Mather, who um, uh, is now the chair of um, the. Uh, um, Church of England pension fund, but headed up Shell Canada, and you know he just ha- is just a wealth of expertise. People like Ian McGregor, who's working on the the Northwest Upgrader here, and has you know has been a serial entrepreneur and technology developer his whole life. Um, people like Elise Allen, who who headed up 
GE Canada for years. And the fact that even they were willing to take the time uh, to be with us and evaluate these these projects and these applications and, and make their recommendations, I think speaks really highly of um, the quality of the, the process as well as the, the opportunity that they represented. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, many of these uh, expert advisors were beyond pleasantly surprised with what they found again both in terms of the, the the opportunity that these technologies could offer to Alberta Canada and the world as well as the process that we undertook to make sure there was rigor and transparency and we were really finding the best of the best um, and that not just anybody gets ERA dollars um, you know this is a competitive process and we work hard to make sure um, that the public dollars we invest are, are going to the right projects and so bringing these experts together to give advice to our board who ultimately makes the funding decisions for ERA um, was just another I think really important step um, that makes the Grand Challenge stand out and it's also a part of day-to-day -day business for ERA. I mean we we always bring together those experts um, to make sure we're making the right decisions. I just think in this case we sought out some big names and uh, and that was neat to be able to work with the likes of those individuals. Yeah, another unique aspect is that the Grand Challenge was designed from the beginning to be a long-term investment where we knew when we launched it in 2013 that ultimately we wouldn't be announcing a winner or the final awardees of round three until around 2019. So we'd committed from the beginning to invest in, in this long-term opportunity. We were looking for opportunities that the market uh, or the customers perhaps didn't even know were there yet. I think different from a VC to Mark's point in that this was a sustained funding over a long period of time and that represents patient capital that is not what VC money is and is often what we hear from, from the system is really what's needed. And so the opportunity to have, um, to have access to funding from that ideation phase all the way through commercialization is unique for ERA. That's not what a typical funding call looks like, which is usually more you know isolated from both from a, a focus area, we're looking for methane technologies, we're looking for oil sands, we're looking for electricity, renewables, and is more targeted at a specific stage of development. We're looking for pilot demonstration, first-of-a-kind deployment. The risk in that is you find a great idea, you move it from you know out of the lab and into the field to a pilot or a, a, a first-of-kind demonstration, and then what happens, right? They're then they're looking for that next, perhaps, source of funding, whether that be public or private, to move to that commercialization stage. And so the grand challenge was unique, um, I think, in providing that sustained source of capital over time. Carbon Copy is brought to you by Emissions Reduction Alberta. ERA just launched a new $50 million funding opportunity targeted at natural gas innovation. ERA's Natural Gas Challenge, unlocking innovation across Alberta's value chain, offers support for projects that reduce emissions, create jobs, and attract investment. For more information about ERA's past and current funding opportunities, visit eralberta.ca. We've learned a lot going through the Grand Challenge process, and those learnings are both from a process perspective as well as from a subject matter perspective. Uh, as you know, we've talked about a little bit already, we learned a lot about the 
pluses and minuses, the pros and cons of a structured three-round process or a long-term investment like the Grand Challenge. We've also learned a lot about CO2 utilization, the opportunity for CO2 utilization in Alberta as well as globally, uh, areas that we think are high potential for carbon dioxide conversion and utilization, as well as areas that we think will be a little more challenging in the Alberta context. They may have strong applicability outside of Alberta, but are a little bit more challenging for Alberta. So we've learned a lot about that. And we've also learned a lot about but stretching our wings in terms of trying out new processes. It's, it's good to, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone, but it's good to try new things out. I'd say another learning that's less, less process or technologically oriented, um, and especially for somebody who's not a scientist or engineer, um, carbon use and conversion technologies really represent an opportunity to make reimagining carbon real for people who don't live and breathe this every day. So where issues around climate change can be very polarizing and people can feel very strongly and feel very emotional about it. Carbon use technologies really represent uh, an opportunity to help people understand what are the possibilities for a jurisdiction like Alberta where carbon does not have to be a waste. In fact, carbon is everywhere in the atmosphere around us. Um, and there are ways to harness uh, carbon and CO2 emissions from industrial processes uh, in really cool ways um, to make everyday products, you know, from chemicals to fertilizers to hockey sticks to cement. And, you know, when you get to hold a block of cement in your hands that has captured CO2 in it or um, or a company like um, Clean O2 that's making bars of soap with sequestered CO2, that really makes makes the the opportunity real in a way um, that is hard to wrap your mind around um, when you don't live and breathe this every day. So another learning for me would be the way that uh, carbon utilization technologies can really be an anchor point in being solutions oriented and and understanding, um, you know, that there are real solutions to our climate change challenges in Alberta and Canada and around the world. And Alberta has a really exciting opportunity to lead in, in that respect, where we've done so much work here um, on how do you capture CO2? How do you use it? What are the right opportunities? In an organization called the Energy Futures Lab, which brings together a diverse group of, of people who care about Alberta's energy future to think about how can we create the energy system that the future requires of us? And in bringing together engineers, economists, artists, um, indigenous communities, um, you know, a very diverse group of, of people, um, carbon use really is one of the, the opportunities that we can all wrap our minds around and all agree is important. And when you even look at, you know, scenarios from organizations like the IPCC, or um, IEA, the International Energy Agency, all of them to reach some degree of limiting warming, whether it's 1.5 or 2 degrees, require carbon capture and use uh, within those scenarios. So um, it, it represents both a really important component of the future and something that um, diverse groups of stakeholders uh, can come together around. 
In 2013, when we launched the Grand Challenge, the idea of taking CO2 and converting it to useful carbon-based products was still fairly new. There wasn't a trove of opportunities that were coming through the pipeline that we could pick to scale up and put into the field for pilots and demonstration projects. Rather, the idea at that point, and and the reason why we tried out the new structure of starting at the wide end of the funnel, the idea was to scan the globe and see what kind of early stage technologies there were and ideas there were to convert CO2, carbon dioxide, from a waste product into a useful uh, commodity or into a valuable product. So from 344 applications, we ultimately awarded 24 projects in the first round of the Grand Challenge at up to half a million dollars per project. In the second round of the Grand Challenge, not only did we have the 24 winners from the first round of the Grand Challenge uh, vying for a spot to be a finalist, we also opened the competition up again to around the world to see if new entrants could compete with the existing winners from the first round. So we had almost 70 new applications that we evaluated on top of the 24 that were advancing from the first stage. And ultimately, we awarded four projects, $3 million each, to take their technology and advance it to the next stage of development. And round three was the culmination of the Grand Challenge, where the four finalists were competing for the grand prize of a $10 million grant to commercialize their technology in Alberta. Ultimately, ERA is awarding that $10 million in uh, $5 million to two different organizations. That's Mangrove Water Technologies and Carbon Cure. Carbon Cure injects carbon dioxide during the curing process of concrete, uh, which ultimately uh, creates a mineralized product and sequesters the CO2 permanently into the concrete matrix. Mangrove Water Technologies is an electrochemical solution that uses brine and CO2, both waste products, and converts that into valuable chemicals that can be used on site in upstream oil and gas operations. Between the two winners of the Grand Challenge, we have two very different solutions represented in two very different industries. Not only that, but um, they're from different ends of the country. So mangrove water technologies originated from the University of British Columbia. The recipient in round one of the Grand Challenge was the University of British Columbia. In the second round of the Grand Challenge, that came out of the lab into the bench scale and mangrove water technologies was created. Now, ultimately, in partnership with industry, mangrove is scaling up their technology and deploying it for a commercial demonstration. Carbon Cure is based in Nova Scotia, Canada, and is bringing their solution, which has demonstrated some early commercial success, into Alberta uh, to be a little bit of a hub for commercialization. Uh, Concrete is strategically important for the province of Alberta, and Carbon Cure sees an important opportunity or sees a a high potential opportunity to locate themselves in Alberta and have Alberta as a little bit of a hub for ongoing technology development and deployment of their solution. Having gone through the full Grand Challenge process now, I think we should use the structure again. I think we should do another Grand Challenge. 
it is not well suited for every single challenge that Alberta faces and every technology innovation opportunity that we're involved in. But it is very well suited for things that are at early stages where they need a little bit more of a longer term timeline and where um, the market demand is still being developed and where a little bit of early stage capital can help advance these opportunities and with industry develop the market that can come out of it. Grand challenges are really about the moonshots, right? It's There are opportunities um, through funding that ERE looks at that are opportunities to do what we already do, but do it better in whether that's in industrial efficiency or, and those opportunities are important because there are real greenhouse gas emissions reductions to be had. And we also know those game changer moonshot opportunities where it's not totally clear perhaps who the ultimate customer is, um, are equally as important if we're going to get to those objectives of limiting warming. And so that's where I think ERA um, looking at the grand challenge model is is critical to success and to taking that portfolio approach where, yes, we need the industrial efficiency. Yes, we need the opportunities that build on the strengths of our existing um businesses and companies and industries. And we need to look at these opportunities that represent uh, potentially huge changes in our in whole segments of our economy, like hydrogen, like bitumen beyond combustion uh, or hydrocarbons beyond combustion. You know, these ideas that are still pretty early in terms of their development and exactly what the applications are, but where the potential um, could be huge if, uh, if we can give that injection and again, those sustained um, sources of capital, sustained capital from idea generation through to commercialization is, is really key for some of those. You know, I can also say that we are right now exploring other opportunities to do more grand challenges, to take this construct, apply what we've learned from it, apply what really worked well, and advance some exciting opportunities toward commercialization. 